welcome to the second episode of Back the Girls. I'm Philippa Tuttiet and alongside me is birthday girl, Gemma Halleck. Yay! Happy Gemma Day! <laughs> and the original pocket rocket, Jasmine Joyce owes you some serious royalties. It is Laurie Harry's. Well, I did not expect that, but hello. And hey, Jazz. <laughs> How was that for an intro? So we have got a great episode lined up today. As women's rugby in Wales officially kicks off next month, we're going to be looking at the new laws that are going to be implemented. We're also going to be speaking to Ponty Clean's head coach and former Welsh flanker Lisa Newton about these laws, but also about the up and coming season and her transition from being a player to a pretty awesome coach. Uh, we've got some exciting autumn international fixtures that have literally just been confirmed. I'll be bringing you the good news story and Lowry has the first What Goes On Tour now comes on the pod. You're shaking your head at me. Oh, you're smiling at me. Okay, she has. <laughs> Great. And as ever, Gemma will be bringing the intermittent rant. So welcome <laughs> to Back the Girls pod episode two. I generally want to know how has birthday bash been? I feel like it's been birthday month. Yeah, it's been an adventure. You know, at this point, I think I might be 73% Prosecco, 47% cake. I'm definitely somewhere around 80% chocolate. I, I, I'm never very good at math, Phil, but let's just say <laughs> it's been a very, very good week. Oh, good to hear, Gem. You've been spoiled. What's the birthday prezies like? Spoiled rotten. Um, yeah, just another 27 bottles of wine, 17 kilograms of chocolate and a few tickets and experiences with my friends. So, yeah, spoiled. Mm. 40s never looked so good. I uh, can't believe I wasn't invited, to be honest. Did you get an invitation, Phil? Or... No, oh, no, I'm just... still waiting for Really? For yeah. Especially considering the theme of the party <laughs> she had. Shocking. I'm yeah. sure if you Google band dance kind of style, I, I'm sure an image of myself comes up next to it. Well, well right next to you, band dance in the dictionary is you in a check shirt. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't think I've ever owned a check shirt, but yeah, me and Dolly Parton, that's what's coming up. <laughs> so that kind of thing. So I was supposed to be in Nashville for my 40th, so that was the original mm. plan. Um, but obviously COVID put a spanner to that. So my family and close friends threw a barn dance in the garden. And I was like, no, I don't want to party. I don't want to party. And then they threw it and I had the time of my life. Oh, that's lush. It was all about me. That is lush. Mm. We brought Nashville to be there. <laughs> well, hey, they bring um, Elvis Presley to Porth Cool, don't they? They have that big <laughs> uh, big thing down in West Bay for, for Elvis Presley. Apparently it's massive. it's massive. So what you're saying is we should make it an annual thing. Yes. And remember to invite us. Make that an annual thing as well, yeah? So, Laurie, what have you been up to? Nothing much. Working. Had a bit of a mini family holiday on the weekend. But that was it. I'm just chuffed I've uh, been asked back to do episode two. I haven't been sacked yet. <laughs> I'm surprised you've got an episode two to do. The response has been pretty great, right? It's been awesome, hasn't it? I've got to say a shout out to Michael. I won't say his surname, but Michael on the email, you sent us a brilliant email, really informative. It's also made us think about some things and made us ask some more questions. And a shout out to his daughter who also plays for under 18's Cardiff Quinns. So yeah, thank you for, for getting in touch. And her name's Maya, by the way. Be looking out for Maya in the senior, senior pathway, hopefully on the senior pitch. And the response from club rugby has been amazing as well, right? I think maybe naive me thought that it'd just be past players and people we know that would listen. But mm -hmm. actually, it's been kind of the, the reverse to that. It's been all about the community people getting involved and listening and joining the conversation as well. So that's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've got lots of ideas about things, but it's so good to be sort of led by the, the people who are deeply involved in the game. So, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's one episode, right? By episode two, it might just be three bagging on about something and downloads or listens go right down to one or two don't positivity come on that's gonna that's not gonna make my good news story Gem. you are you are being sacked right off 
I think if we combine our caps together, as long as we exceed that in the number of episodes, we will have done well, I think. Oh, good goal. Okay. Yeah. And then that'll mean we'll tour New Zealand, surely. The the band dance that's out in New Zealand <laughs> during that time. <laughs> the World Cup, Matt. Right, so does anyone have any questions? Because I've had one come through on the on the email. Yeah, I've had one as well through Instagram. So nice. would you like to go first, Phil? Yeah, okay. So my one has come in from Helen and she wants to know what was our favourite pre-match song? Ooh. Who wants to go first? Well, I'll go because it's no secret to anyone. <laughs> anyone who knows me knows I am a huge Tina Turner fan. Yes. And I'm sure she probably knows me by first name as well, by now as well, because I have reached out to her on Twitter many a time. No response <laughs> as of yet. But it was always Proud Mary for me. And I did, I mean, unfortunately for some of you, try to get you all involved in that pre-match ritual as well. So it was definitely Tina Turner, Proud Mary. It wasn't just pre-match, was it? it was pretty much post-match. It was social. It was the best. Yeah. It was. <laughs> During match. Try <laughs> yeah. celebration. Having a telling off by the coach who would start rolling. <laughs> rolling. <laughs> I do have some great memories of you dancing around the change room to that song. Fair play. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you said dancing and not prancing. Because, well, you know. You know. <laughs> it was pretty much belted out at the end of every Six Nations match, especially when the beers started flowing in the last game. Yeah. It it definitely does seem to be a ritual for every hooker since, though, because I can see that the current hooker at the moment loves to give a rendition of it as well. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, that will be your legacy. Thank you very much. I'll take that. <laughs> For me, kind of, do you remember in the 2010 World Cup, we made a playlist? So we had two playlists. We had a before match and a before training playlist. And this is like, I had to physically burn the CD for this. And then we had a social playlist as well. And everybody sent their songs to me. And we made, like, I think, about 20 songs went on each CD. Do you remember that? So we could have some kind of ownership over the music that got played. Oh, and CD, always... not Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't a tape? <laughs> Definitely a CD. Pretty scratched by the end of the tournament. That... But there was one song that always kind of just got everybody's eyes popping. I don't think everybody loved it, but it was, um, I think actually it was Lisa Newton that introduced it. Like the bodies hit the floor. Do you remember that song? Is that really rocky? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of bass in it. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Didn't you find it funny how, like, in the change room before a game, you'd get the more quiet ones and maybe be, like, writing things on their bands, on their wrists, you know, whether mum, dad, respect, or whatever, things like that. And then you'd have the ones that would just be bashing into one another and sort of tugging on one another's shirts. And you'd have the other ones just away in the music. And then you'd obviously have Lowry, which is completely another separate category, prancing around, singing to Tina Turner. But how different people would try and get themselves in that zone, yet you all kind of came together then as, as one team. Yeah. It's quite cool. Everyone prepared differently, didn't they? Remember, oh. Owie, Claire Flowers, the centre, she'd throw up before every game. Remember yeah. that? That was like a ritual, wasn't it? You'd do that wretching from the yeah. toilet. Oh, my yeah. God, yeah. What camp were you in then? I differed between just sitting in silence and putting on the music, and I'd have to yeah. make sure the music built up towards that. Because, you know, when you leave the leave the, the hotel, you've just had that kind of motivational video mm. and you mm. leave with your shirt and proper, like, so mm. kind of like you build the music up from that mm. and then you get to, like, into the changing room. But I never, like, hang around in the changing room. It's always, like, me and Laura mm. Prosser just needed to get out straight away. So yeah. we practically arrived dressed so we could not spend any time in the changing room. Yeah. Yeah, Laura Prosser, uh, Scrum Half, who is now, mm. like, Miss CrossFit Super Duper World Champion, isn't she? Yeah, just bench press, pressing a baby for fun now, yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was, um, do you know American author's best day of your life? Oh, I think I do. It starts like... Doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> We're going to need more, I think. <laughs> I think that's something out of Mary Poppins at the moment. So. Get out of Mary Poppins. Oh, Laurie would like that, Oh, me. my God. Do not take me to a karaoke. <laughs> I would be rubbish. I'm going to get it up on Spotify for you. But it's definitely not a rocky song. 
Oh, yeah. Yes. It was kind of on. It was nice. No, not at all. No. <laughs> oh. Okay. Do you know, it did so. take me a couple of seasons to respect everybody else's little rituals, though. I just didn't understand that people could be so different to me. And I was like, why aren't you getting hyped up with me? And I was so nervous. It was the only way for me to, like, let go of so many other feelings. So I was just, like, yeah. pirouetting around the place, thinking this is the best way for me. But obviously, I must have annoyed a fair few people. <laughs> so here's my apology for anyone who shared a change room with you. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed myself, just so you all know. Yeah, good. Yeah, there were some players you just couldn't talk to, and you just mm. learned, like, just don't speak to her. Like, Mel Barry, never speak to Mel Barry before kickoff. Mm. <laughs> just let her do her thing on the pitch. Fine afterwards, but don't get in her way before kickoff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crazy times. So what's your um, question, Lose? Yeah, so I had it through Instagram from Ian. So thank you very much, Ian. Question uh, I'd like you to ask today is what do you think of the level of mainstream media afforded to the women's game in Wales slash UK, by which I mean newspapers slash proper news and media outlet? Are the governing bodies, clubs and regions doing their best to promote this? Mm. That's a big one. No, they are not. I think things could be much, much better. I think you'd hear that answer from anyone, wouldn't you? Let, let's have a look at it. So Six Nations this year, in a different time from the men, we definitely saw more coverage of it. You didn't get that initial big hit of the Six Nations launch where the women and men would do the launch together. So there would be, I think, an extra bit of TV coverage on news and stuff for the women's game. You didn't get that, but it was shown on more streams it wasn't on you know bbc one but it was on the on the stream that was more than ever before so it's getting better i think since it's moved to playing the games in cardiff arms park it's mm. improved yeah in terms of how much you see about it and as well crowds i think has increased due to the fact that they can either go to the men's before or after or whatever depending on day or time of kickoff and whatever. Again, there's so much more room of improvement, though, just in terms of what you see on the telly at the moment. It's always like a little snippet in between the first and second half or something of the women's tournament. And it's always just like just the six captains quoting mm. some stuff usually. Mm. And then one picture frame of them all together. Mm. Yeah. Right. OK, here's a difficult question for you. Do you want it on TV when teams get them beaten 50. No. Yeah, I still um, want it on telly. Yeah. You still want it on? Yeah, oh, because God. it's got to start somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. I know it's frustrating because these results are starting to be, especially with Wales, Scotland, and either Italy, Ireland, they're, they're starting to be the same now every year. Mm. But I'm just waiting for that change for everyone to be able to compete at the same level. And the difference is money. Investment. Well, yeah. yeah. It absolutely needs to be shown, right? Because I help care for my 83-year-old grandmother. She's my best mate. And when it was on BBC or Red Button, we were able to stream it. And uh, she wouldn't get to see that otherwise. I mean, she thinks it's phenomenal that she can watch women play rugby on the telly. Blows her mind still. And I think it exposes it to an audience who are not going to get out of their house on a bus and down to Cardiff or, you know, drive down to Cardiff. It mm-hmm. gives them... That exposure is massive. And I think, you know, what we had as players is nowhere near the level it is now, but nowhere near the level it can achieve either. Mm. So Laurie said, it, you know, it has to start somewhere. And I know that the scores look a little, not a little bit, let's be honest, the scores are massively one-sided and, and, you know, doesn't shed much positive light on, you know, the results and and what the girls are going through. But ultimately, this is where we are now. It's televised. You can't go backwards. Yeah. I just wish that they could give it a little bit more time, you know, having like a studio before and mm. the halftime chat and maybe a studio after just to give people a bit more of an opportunity to engage in the game. Because I think if you just go onto it for the very first time, you've got no idea who these players are, you've no idea where they play, you've got no idea what they've been through, coaching, rah, rah. And you judge them purely on on that performance, which like you say, when the, when the scores are that high, mm. you can almost forgive people for maybe going, mm, not for me. But if they could put a little bit more investment into the production of it and have that little bit more time early on 
to really help with that engagement and get people more understanding of, of the game, where it currently is, maybe where it used to be as well, you know, but then equally that costs money and they're not going to do that unless they think that they're going to be getting lots and lots of viewers on it. Yeah. So the last time I did commentary down at the Arms Park, Phil, you were there, you were doing, you were up in the stands, you were doing World Feed or something. I think I was doing the Six Nations coverage and there was Carol James, there was Dusky, mm-hmm. there was Ellen Evans there. I'm not 100% sure. The Sean Ed was there doing pitch side as well in between, you know, down moments in the game and I just looked around and I said to the girls I said this is phenomenal because when we were playing the only person who'd ever get asked to do anything like that would would be none mm-hmm. and so we've gone from one person to you know five or six being involved on a match day to feed into the narrative around the game mm-hmm. yeah it'd be great to get it more and you know you more of you and Dudgy in the studio and things like that and so, some more former players, but... But you know what, in regards to their engagements, I've always wondered, why don't they, when it comes to an international, how come they don't just give away a certain amount of free tickets to hubs, high schools maybe, even universities, just give people that opportunity to give it a try? Someone said to me before that they cap it, their capacity, because of the cost of the security and the marshalling and things like that. I just wish they would just give it maybe just one or two hits, you know, just pick one or two games, give out a load of free tickets, not not all of them. We're not devaluing the game. People should still want to go and want to pay to go. But I just think we need to give that a little, just that little gentle push for people. Come in, you know, experience the atmosphere. Because how many times did we hear in the Pro 14, in the Gallagher Premiership, in, in tournaments where it is proven to be entertaining, that people were coming out, commentators, and go, God, that was flat. God, that was terrible Mm. because there was no atmosphere. The quality of rugby to a certain extent hadn't really changed, but there was no vibe. There was no party. There was no loud drunks in the corner. And and that's what you need a rugby game. They need me and Lowry down here is what you're saying. Basically, that's what they need. I just think (laughs) in regards to promoting it, I would really like them to see, try try and push the crowds. Our guest today is Lisa Newton. Lisa Newton is a former player turned premiership coach um i really want to let her explain her journey through rugby and it's one we really want to highlight i think she's an inspiration to to lots of um players coming through um but just very quickly we brought lisa in because the season starts pretty much next week and down upon a clean they've just finished a bunch of friendlies and we want to get our feedback what she's excited for what we should be looking out for and also the league and cup structure is looking very different this year so we wanted to hear this straight from somebody that's involved so this is over to Lisa thanks very much for joining us hi uh, yeah thanks for having me on my journey in rugby I started playing when I was in school I was fortunate enough to start at maybe I don't know 13 14 or whatever from there, we went, I went on to play for UIC. But I guess before that, it's probably worth mentioning that I was pulled into like under 16 camps for Wales and stuff like that. They weren't capped games, but they were, you know, an important part of my journey as a rugby player. And I was a coach as well. Played at UIC, captained UIC at one point for Busser Bucks Championships, which was obviously class. After university, then uh, went traveling to Canada. So spent three and a half, four months out there. Uh, we, well, I went with a friend with Vic Owens, who you all know. Oh, yeah. Vic Owens, legend. Second row. Was she second yeah. row for Wales? Second row, number eight. <laughs> and obviously, uh, sister to Ken Owens, keeping oh. it in the family. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tenuous links to all these celebs. We're just trying to pull on all of them. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, so we went travelling, played for a local club out there, and then come back, and it was like, I don't know, I think 2011, 2012, and it... I mean, job prospects here at the time for someone who just graduated university with not the best result wasn't exactly, uh, you know, fruitful. So I started working in construction and I started labouring and I thought, well, bloody hell, I could do that out there. So I packed my bags and I went back to Canada on another working visa, got a job in construction, carried on playing. But alongside my sort of day job in construction, I ended up getting a a coaching position at the University of Toronto. And from there, the, the coach of the University of Toronto at the time, or head coach, he was involved in the regional setup. So he put me on board for the regions, so or provincial or whatever they call it out there. So I ended up uh going to the the national tournament that they host with the senior women's squad in the first season. And I ended up going, I went to Vegas with the, with the Sevens program out there, which was class, but they were all under 18. So 
put them to bed and then off we go, which is which is brilliant. Uh, <laughs> but there's there's no uh, like t- funny tall story. Sorry, loads. Uh, I got a few there. <laughs> and then went to the U twenties. Then I think with Ontario, which. I was involved in the Canadian under 20 selection, which was probably my first experience of like in-depth selection process like that, which was a good experience for me. And then came back and started coaching the Falcons and I'm still here. So, yeah, uh, I guess it's probably, I should also mention I'm coaching Cardiff Met as well. So, oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I love coaching. I think for me as a, as a player, injury sort of stopped me playing before I was mentally ready. So for me, coaching is it, it, it was huge on, on my mental health and my ability to stay connected to my friends, my network and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I can't talk highly enough about um, getting involved in coaching or managing or whatever it is, just to stay involved in the game. So from a playing side, you played U20s and seniors here, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, We went to Nations Cup with the under 20s, so we actually got to go to Canada, which was class. We got pumped by England a few times, which wasn't, which wasn't brilliant, but... We went out to Canada, played Canada, Canada A, and England out there, which was which was really good. I mean, that was my first like proper tour, and like so. Kyle yeah, Wilson, just remember the tour story from that period, actually. So thank you very much, Lisa. <laughs> we'll save that one for another pod. Excellent. I mean, as long as it's not about me, it's fine. Well, kind of. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that was uh, so. Our coach at. Cardiff Met at the top of Uwick then was uh, Kylie Wilson, who's also the coach of the under-20s. So I was like, I had a lot of contact time with a really high standard coach. And I think that for me, not only from my like playing, I was never the best player, but I've got my eyes on being the best coach sort of thing, if that, if that makes sense. I think that she had a huge influence on me and the time that I, I had with her not just in Uwick, but in the under-20s, definitely made me a, you know, a, a better player and a better rugby thinker as well, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I forgot your question was, Jeremy. I have to say it again. <laughs> no, definitely. Like, um, just to reiterate what you said about Kylie, I think she's, you know, mm. so many um, of your generation. I mean, I had a little bit of contact with her when she took us out to Madrid. I think, Phil, you yes. were on that, weren't you? Yeah, um, it was her and Lisa Burgess, wasn't it? Yeah. Management. So to have that kind of quality. And then I saw it, as you just mentioned, like, like what Kylie, and a big loss to, to Welsh rugby now that she's in New Zealand. But, um, yeah, massive loss. You know, I yeah. bumped into her in the Commonwealth Games 2018. She was part of the New Zealand uh, performance sort of management crew. Yeah. And she came bounding down the athletes' village. Big cuddle. I haven't seen her for years. Such a lovely, lovely person. She went with the uh, New Zealand team to the Olympics, didn't she? Part of the psychology team. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good on it. So shout out to Kylie. Yeah, Lise, can I ask? Obviously, yeah. very happy where you are. Totally appreciate that. But do you have any ambitions to go further with with your coaching? Uh, do you know what? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because uh, as a female in in uh, these positions, it's a lot of nights out the house, and we've got a little one now, so it's a it, it's difficult. We plan on having more children as well, which you can't always afford four, five, six nights a week. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I definitely think, you know, if the right opportunity uh, arose, I'd, I'd definitely put my hand up for it. Mm. Uh, I'm not I'm not shy, but I think for me now, I also have to think about, you know, it, getting on a bit in life. And I think that I'm sure we can all relate to sometimes we, we didn't progress in other areas because we were holding on to rugby and, it, you know, it was always a priority for us as, as players or coaches, whatever your involvement was. And you sort of, you miss weddings and birthdays and all those things. And, and eventually I felt like I had to say to myself, right, it's time to grow up because you, <laughs> you can't make money from this. So you've got to try and get yourself a career alongside of, of what you're doing as well. Or at the time. Can so, definitely um, relate to that because I actually went to my last job interview and they asked why um, I wanted this position and I said it was about time I started looking after my career future goals and things because I've always had to put rugby first Mm. and it wasn't getting me anywhere so it's now time to think about the pension (laughs) (laughs) and other things God that's a whole other pod right about adulting (laughs) now (laughs) <laughs> okay, so let's touch on where you are now. So you came back to Ponaclean and Ponaclean have just excelled under your leadership. They're doing really well. And from what I gathered, they've had a really good kind of build up to, to what's coming. This, I think the, the cup starts in a week or so, early September. Yeah, so, 5th of September, sorry. 
Yeah, so just talk us through that, Lisa. How's pre-season been? How did COVID affect you guys and how are you building from it? It's been a long 18 months. There's only so much catch and pass you can do without or lack of competition you can do with without people losing interest. <laughs> I mean, it's been savage. But throughout that time, we've we've picked up quite a few new players and from all over the shop as well. I, I don't know how they find this, but it, it's brilliant that they do. We had four Greek girls come and join us uh, who are, have just come over. They, they're involved in the Greek rugby setup over there and they've come over to study rugby in USW. Huh. And uh, I think Shawnee saw them on Twitter and said, oh, do, are you joining the club? And then through an interesting exchange of English, they ended up coming and they've been brilliant they they've proper you know got involved and and for them i think it's probably quite challenging like they've come over to a new country then covid happened and actually they've not been able to get out and do things and meet people so i think that probably a a nice link there for them we, we've we've had a couple of friendlies which which has been good because i think our last game was actually against nelson and then our first game of friendlies was uh, was against nelson as well so it's interesting to see that measure up of what both teams have been doing while they've been away and things like that. Obviously, not quite full rules, so there's no no scrums and things like that. But I, you know, Nelson, I've got a lot of admiration for them. They've they've done some good stuff up there with their whole program and how they're bringing girls right through from age grade up to up to uh, senior rugby. And it, do you know, what? it's like we have 23 players. That's not what I'm trying to say here, but. It's intimidating. They they're all in their black kit and they all look mean. And I mean, they they're great rugby players and they're physical rugby players. So that was a it was nice to see a good test of rugby for the first game back. I was also pretty pleased. I think at one point I said, you know, I, I'm retiring now, girls, because I've got nothing more to teach you because it was it was one or two tries. I just thought, bloody hell, you're better than what I can coach. So I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> So that was great against Nelson, who I think will be one a team that will be very competitive in the upcoming future, like in the next mm. couple of weeks, months, years, whatever. And then we had Bonamine on this Sunday, just gone, which was a very physical game. I mean, it wasn't the Bonamine we saw two, three years ago, which, uh, you know, it's good. I'm, I, I love that a lot of the Swansea girls... Uh, who had nowhere else to go have gone there we're blessed as well mind we picked up three swans girls so again adding to the, to the numbers on the books which is great but yeah I mean that was a, a definitely a physical test which I don't think girls have put their bodies through that for quite some time so it was good good rugby there was a crowd there I can't imagine not taking contact for that long and then going back, you all remember, you know, pre-season after not maybe having contact for like two or three months and it would hurt. But some of these girls, did, you know, year and a half, two years, that must be, oh, nah, I'm not sure. I'd, nah. You never like contact. <laughs> sure anyway, I know, you, ne- you always skipped after the contact. <laughs> I think you Lurie, walked into that one, mate. Sorry, that's called a sidestep. I'll show you one time if you want. No, it's Listen. called, I got to go in the physio room because I got a bad hamstring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey girls I was a finely tuned athlete what can I say but <laughs> Lise can I just ask in regards to um the setup the structure for this year am I right in thinking there's not going to be a league as such it's just going to be like a cup and a plate I mean that's the only information we've had at this point in time is the this first round where they've split us up into like east one and two west Yes. And North, where there's four teams. I think that originally that was done because part of the COVID guidelines were about staying local and not traveling. So I think that that's how they oh, clubbed okay. the teams together. We've not had any more information than that. So we only know the fixtures up to Christmas. But I, as you do on the sideline on Sunday, people were sort of like speculating. And I think the plan is that the top, the top teams from each group or whatever they've got at the moment goes in then to a to a to a knockout, which would be like cap plate bowl. Mm-hmm. And the plan is to potentially have them played in the in the stadium as a triple header Oof. type thing. But again, uh, this is speculating. Uh, none of this is uh, I'm not an official email or anything like that. Oh, it. don't worry. We love speculation on this pod. We live <laughs> okay, off speculation. Great. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, can I ask you about the new rules that are coming in, the new laws? Now I know yeah. there's quite a few of them are very much COVID driven if you will, mm. like the whole, you're only going to get a scrum uh, if there's a knock-on. So mm. 
all other times when there should be a, a scrum as a result of an infringement, it's now a tap and go kick. Yes. So I get that. But the one I'm really interested in is not really, I don't think, COVID related. It seems to be more of a, a change in the way that the game is played. And that, first of all, would be the 50-22. Yes. Just to clarify for people who maybe haven't heard of this one yet. So if an attacking team kicks the ball out from their own half, indirectly goes out so it's got to touch the ground and then go out in the opponent's 22 then you gain an attacking line out so you get a massive territorial gain and then attacking opportunity of a line out in the 22 now they're saying this is for sort of two reasons one it's almost becoming impossible to try and break the defensive line at the moment. So if the threat of that kick is so great, you may be going to drop your wingers a bit more with the fullback, create a bit more space in the defensive line. But they're also looking at it from a health and safety viewpoint, that defensive lines are coming up with so much speed and so much power that they want to maybe make that defensive line a bit weaker, dropping those players, potentially them they're not coming up as fast, maybe operating a bit more of a, a drift defense type of thing. So they're sort of the MOs, but interested to see so your opinion, um, your fullback's opinion. Is this something that's going to be on your mind or do you think maybe teams aren't going to, you know, try and use this straight away? Because it's a big kick as well, you know, to be able to do that from your own half into the 22. What, what do you think about it? Well, to be fair, Falcons were... We're blessed with kickers, fortunately, yeah. and accurate, good kickers. So uh, we'll definitely be taking advantage of of uh, of the rule. I think that kicking under pressure is probably a skill that's underutilised, or not underutilised, shouldn't say that. It's not coached enough or well enough in the women's game, and we're not given the same opportunities as boys do growing up. Like, you know, boys tend to well, go and kick a football or whatever, and they're sort of encouraged in that way. I don't think girls get the same, you know, play time with the ball, if that makes sense. Mm. So I think that it's great because hopefully it'll develop more strategic kick in the women's game. I think and instead of just a, a pressure yeah. release type thing. I think that, that yeah. I'm all for it. Do you it. still have Raf Taylor playing for you? We do, yes, yeah. See, now I would just love any team to try and kick against us with her in the backfield because what you're doing there is giving her ball with a shared load of space to counter-attack. I think that recently Raf has moved into the back, so... The back row? In, into the pack, yeah. Into the yeah. pack! No! Into the pack. Just to highlight, I should say, Rafik Taylor is Welsh oh, superstar winger. She, for me, is one of the ones that if only she'd got into the setup earlier because she was a bit older when she got in, but I still, hands down, she was up there, one of the most threatening wingers I've ever played against and alongside. She was just a guaranteed try scorer. Was she? Julian Clashes, he's league, uh, oh, yes. and, and seven. Yes, yeah, she was Triple seven. Triple threat. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, well, This okay. is breaking news, Lise. This is breaking yes. news. Breaking news. Get the banners up. Pack. Wow. I mean, okay. credit to Ralph. <laughs> she does. She asked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that also, like, obviously, you're speaking very highly of Raf. It probably speaks volumes to the to the caliber of wingers and, and and back three players we've got coming through again now, because you know it's opened up opportunities for younger players to come in in those positions. But Raf basically got a flavour for being in the forwards and a bit of contact from playing league. And all of a sudden now she's like, yeah, front row, please. Wow. <laughs> oh, it makes sense, to be honest. <laughs> Philippa, you should have tried it. Uh, yeah. No, I did actually. 2014, I had to go on the flank in the World Cup because a certain Seanad Harris, I think, had been sent off, standard. And oh. I um, pushed too early and pushed in the wrong place. So that was my one and only time. Never invited back again. Don't know why. Travesty. We need footage of that, please. <laughs> yeah. We on the uh, right side it? of the Who is it? The, was it Johnny May who uh, tried to jump on the side of the scrum and put his arm yes. between the... Do you remember that? Yeah. imagine something like that happening. But. Yeah. I don't think Carol Thomas was best pleased with whatever I did. She said something. I forget. <laughs> uh, okay. So the other one is the goal line dropout. So for an attacking team that try and do those pick and goes, the stuff you used to do, Lowe's, I don't really understand it. Nope. Again, uh, didn't try any of that. I was out on the way. No. Oh, were you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so pick and go, but they get held up or there's a knock on over the line. 
the defending team gets to take a dropout, drop kick from the goal line. Now, this is interesting. Are you going to go high and literally just like over the team that we're attacking? Because they're going to be in all kinds of a weird shape. They were just attacking your try line. You've now got the ball back. Or are you kicking long and sending your fastest winger to just go and have a foot race? Oh, I think it depends on who, who we're playing and uh, yeah. you know, who's in what position as well. I, I love the rule. I think it opens a opportunity for counter-attack off, yes. you know, off a disorganised defence, which, let's be honest, that's the dream, isn't it? Run against a disorganised defence. But not only that, it rewards the attacking team with the, with the go forward. They still keep the territory in theory with, mm-hmm. you know, be, it being a a goal line instead of a, instead of 22, I think. So, I, yeah, I think it's, again, great rule. Like, I love to see attacking yeah. sexy rugby. Let's see more of it. Off the cuff as well. Because the yeah. one thing with that, you can't, you know, you can't call whatever move you're going to do from that. It is literally turn over ball, right, go, do something. Yeah. Yes, granted, they could slow up the ball, but I wouldn't really, don't see why you do that because the defensive line would get set. So it should encourage that reactive play. Yeah, definitely. definitely. No, I can see this big thing in between your eyebrows occurring. I think it's a frown. What's happening? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't know whether, I don't know how you're going to coach it either, but I don't know if we've got the calibre at the moment to make something of it. I think it's going to be more of a hoof and hope, anything other than that. As well, if as a forward, who I was sometimes in this position and you've just defended your line sometimes getting that bit of a breather can give you <laughs> so much motivation to keep going but if whoever picks it up i'm assuming the 10 is gonna do something because it could be different every time if it's just even like a chip up or chip over the first line of defense and then competitive well again like a grab of the ball or whatever it lands i'm just gonna be running around aimlessly chasing Someone's socks, probably, because I don't know where I'm going. So I do, I do think it's going to come down to how it's coached mm-hmm. and, you know, how quickly players can think on their feet to see how they manage the defence in the split second as well. I know you and can the, take your time, obviously, to to drop kick it, but... Have we got the skill as well? Yeah. We need these girls practising this skill set, developing the skill set mm-hmm. to like really execute something special. But I just think it could be some really exciting things happening. And, you know, as all levels of rugby try and figure out how to best utilize this. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, Loza, I'm figuring you out now because you frowned when I said there's going to be limited scrums. So basically, any time where things would be slowed down and now they're taken away, you're not happy, are you? No, because everyone seems to think a scrum slows it down. The forwards are still working. The only people having a breather <laughs> doing a scrum are the backs. Okay? Where's the line? I know. Like, the skills that the front row have, <laughs> right, to manipulate scrums, I just think it's been undermined now, to be honest. I know, you know, scrums has been a massive health and safety issue and um, as well as the COVID risk on top of that, it may be a factor of why they're trying to take it out. But credit where credit's due, some <laughs> props can turn you inside out and it's something you love to see. Like if I'm sitting at home and uh, with Jodie and she's watching a scrum she's like I just don't get it and all this and I'm like this is what it's all about (laughs) this is pure orgasmic for someone who enjoyed a scrum but yeah we had one good coach actually remember his surname though but Alan do we remember him Davis Davis he travelled with the 2014 World Cup Alan Wynn Davis and he was very, very passionate. Yes. In his little outburst at times. Yeah. But the way he coached the scrum, we had a different setup going into every game because he would research the opposing team so well that we would know how to uh, challenge the scrum. Wow. So it takes a lot of work and the props. And well, I think it is more so. Well, actually, it's an all eight effort now, but back in the day, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the front row. It was, it was more maybe front row. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but you know, every game would be different. And I had, you know, you you do have to credit someone like that because he's taken time out to to have a real look and feedback on other games. Gills, I'm going to have to change the intro. It's Lowry doing the ranting this week. Yeah. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs>
<laughs> now that Laurie's shined a light on his light on himself, Lisa, not sure if you're going to want to answer this or not. But um, you know, who are the shining lights that you're seeing so far? You know, any young talent coming out of Ponaclean? Who are the ones to watch? Who's going to set the the cup on fire this year? I mean, credit to the Falcons. I mean, obviously, I'm the coach. The the first two games, the running rugby that they've created has been awesome. I definitely think, you know, like from a coaching perspective, our, our contact area and things like that haven't been brilliant. But the way we have manipulated the defence to create space has been has been awesome. So I think, like, you've got to watch our back line this year. you got to. Can I ask you a question, Lisa? Because yeah. you did uh, touch on it a bit earlier as well. Mm-hmm. With um, Swansea, unfortunately, folding, Pontiacine yeah. and Swansea used to be a big, big game, didn't it? So what are your thoughts on, well, on them disappearing now? from the cup and league absolutely gutted i mean you can't claim to be the best unless you play the best and obviously like between us and them i think they probably tally up more wins but we've beaten them a couple of times over the past few seasons i say few seasons pre-covid obviously i'm devastated that it that it got to the point where they felt like they couldn't continue and you know for whatever reasons it is it's a real shame to see a powerhouse like that go because I was desperate to beat them on, on, on the final stage. Do you know what I mean? And I know that from a player's perspective as well, that that was it. We were, we were going to beat them this season. That was the mindset, you know? And I think I've just gutted. And it's not because I don't see a, a competition in other teams because, uh, with you know, Bonamine have already proved it. Nelson have already proved it. Landaff, you know, none of the teams are going to be pushovers. So I think... Things would be a lot more competitive on a week-to-week basis, but it's a shame that we didn't get to beat them in the cup final. I mean, I think Ponoclean being to the, I mean, Jen, you probably know this as well. Ponoclean being to the cup final maybe eight or nine times and have won once. Mm. It was going to be the showpiece be... every season, right? And yeah. you want that opportunity. And yeah, you know, exactly. I was at the Principality Stadium when you guys was a phenomenal match, and you just you know, lost narrowly to Swansea and it was it was a bitter disappointment, but you just knew it was coming. We were building towards something, right? And you'll never get that moment now. I know, get I it. We've we got to cross a bridge to go and find it now. <laughs> oh, that's one for another pod. Yeah, that is one for another pod. But look, Lisa, we won't keep you any more of your precious family time, but can you just tell all the listeners when and where they can see Ponticlean in action? When, when and where's your first game? Oh, uh, first game is Landaff North on the 5th of September in Landaff North, so away for us. Uh, 2-2-30 kickoff. Come and see us. Awesome. All right. Well, best of luck, guys. Best team Cheers. win and all that. Impartial pod, impartial pod. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, thank you. All right, it is time for Phil's Good News Story. (laughs) And this one is a massive shout out to the Nelson Bells. And it's very timely as obviously Lisa Newton there in her interview was incredibly complimentary to them. So Matt has got in touch to let us know that it was four years ago when the Bells had their first fixture, but last weekend was the first time in their history that they managed to field two senior women's teams. So they got a Bells senior team and a Bells development, which is absolutely class. They've also got an under 18s and they're really doing some good things. And he, you know, absolutely compliments all the hard work of the coaches, the management and all the volunteers. But again, another club growing strength from strength. So awesome guys. Well done. Nelson Bells. Yay. Energy, Phil, energy. I know. Well, I'm carrying you two. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Phil. So let's all head over to Laurie with her What Goes On Tour Comes On The Pod story. So you've got your own jingle. Let's go. Jingle, 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 jingle. Thank 
you, Gemma. And for the first week's very own segment of what goes on tour comes on the pod, I thought it was only fitting to throw one of you under the bus. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is why you discussed. Yeah, well, you know, catch you with the element of surprise, isn't it? So back in our day, there was no paid contracts. There was no money invested in us, uh, in our pay packets as such, right? So uh, certain players sought out sponsorship uh, by certain companies. And uh, we were down in Abravan playing our uh, Six Nations games at this point. And you had your standard players who would leave the changing room early to go out and do some kicking practice or uh, throw in practice. So I was a witness to to what uh, occurred uh, as I was trying to hit back ball. And all of a sudden, I see this player coming out through the tunnel doing high knees. I thought, mm, OK, that's new. Stretching early. Uh, all of a sudden came out, started doing sidesteps, uh, while someone else was following with a camera. Oh. I was like, what on earth is going on here? Oh. So we had a couple of five meter bursts then as well. <laughs> then we did a, a split second high jump and things like this. Well, I'm, I don't think I saw any back balls hit the target because I couldn't keep my eyes off of this player. So, So what happened was, she had managed get some sponsorship and uh, was asked to wear uh, a special brand of boots which were pink and we were in a red kit <laughs> so that offended me immediately but anyway as soon as the little get up was done with the five meter bursts and the high knees and not wanders back into the change room, comes back out then for the team warm-up in her normal boots. I was like, hey, hey, what's happened, yeah? Where's the funky little pink ones gone? She goes, oh, mate, I, um, I've uh, got to do a friendship deal. A couple of pics on Instagram, they've gone up. I was like, well, that was brilliant. So everyone on the team then tried to get their own kind of branded uh, boots just to get their five-meter sprints out. So if you want that accent again, for you to guess which one of my hosts, oh. co-hosts, I'm talking about, ah, oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that was Got a, a little sponsorship accent. deal. Got a little sponsorship deal, innit, mate? <laughs> a little deal on the side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe. Oh, that was mate. a horrific moment for you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for bringing it right back as well. Thought I left that back in 2007. Yeah. Okay. So can I ask a question? No. Well, yeah, thanks. Were you offered a different colour boot or did you no. choose them? No, no. Of course, I'm a woman, so they sent me the pink ones. Uh, yeah, they were horrendous. So needless to say, photos were done and then I changed into my other ones. So was I it also... before hair and makeup or was it after hair and makeup? Oh, you two. <laughs> Bang on about me and hair and makeup. Yeah, I also noticed an extra couple of groin stretches in the team warm-up then. Did you actually injure yourself when you <laughs> yeah. were doing those uh, high knees and things? Yeah, pull my calf. The shoes are rubbish. <laughs> oh, so we won't be giving them a shout out this week then, no? No, no. No longer a sponsor. Bye-bye. No longer a sponsor. No. Oh, well, yeah. Thanks for that, Lou. Appreciate that one. Nice. No problem. Nice. But please, any more interest in what goes on tour comes on the pod please send them through please get in touch with us Jem I think you've got the handles of you it's twitter at back the girls pod and instagram at back the girls podcast because we didn't want any kind of <laughs> synchronicity we want to make it quite difficult Phil you got the email address I have, which is backthegirls.pod so I mixed it up as well uh, at hotmail.com <laughs> And that is your tour story for the week. Cheers. Jingle, 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 jingle. Okay, Please send them in because we know Laurie got a massive list that are going to keep throwing us under the bus otherwise, right? Yes. Jeez. Right, so I've got a lot of film just to let you know. Whoa!
oh, I thought I was boring, but apparently my boring is really cringy. Okay, so Autumn International, some exciting news. We can confirm that Wales will be playing Canada on the 21st of November. South Africa are also coming over. No confirmation yet that they're going to be playing Wales, but we'll keep an eye on that one. But they are going to be playing the Barbarians on the 27th of November. So always a chance for some of our Welsh girls to be representing that team. New Zealand are coming over. Uh, USA are coming over. It's God, got some good teams coming over this autumn. Unfortunately, we're not going to be playing New Zealand. They're going to be playing England and France, but loads of really good quality women's rugby, all building up to the World Cup next year in New Zealand, 2022. So, yeah, some exciting internationals to come. So from a Welsh perspective, so do we know where we're playing? Yeah, we're going to be playing Canada on the 21st of November. Where? Um, oh, sorry, did you say where? Where? Uh, no confirmation of venue as of yet. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on that and we'll organise a road trip, I think. Woohoo! Pod on Woo. tour. Pod on tour. Jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us on our pod number two. Uh, we want you to be part of the conversation. We want to know who you want to hear from. We want your messages, your questions. This is all about bringing you into every single episode. So... Don't forget to tweet us at backthegirls.pod and Instagram us. Where, Phil? Back the Girls podcast. I was ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also email us on a totally different one, which yeah. is, Phil? Backthegirls.pod at hotmail.com. Excellent. Send us your tour. What, uh, what goes on tour comes on the pod stories. Laurie best in to hear as many as possible she's going to share the best ones and other than that we're here all week in between podcast launches to discuss everything Welsh women's rugby with you love you bye, bye. bye. <laughs>